0: So hello and welcome to Talking Moves, a podcast from Greenwich Dance where dance artists come together to talk about their work and practice, the things that matter and the issues which move them. I'm Melanie Precious and in this episode I'll be talking to two artists about creating work for the digital stage. Since we launched the podcast back in October 2020, the subject has understandably come up in many conversations. Sarah Blanc and Mathieu Geoffrey shared their experiences of pivoting to digital as an immediate reaction to lockdown 1.0. Rhiannon and Faith and Ben Duke talked through their own process, which had the luxury of a little, albeit not a lot, more time. And in almost every episode since, the subject of digital dance has come up for our guests and many have shared the same experiences of learning very quickly. It's true to say that almost the entire sector has been on a crash course. I guess today, though, both started their careers with a dance training. Filmmaker and photographer Rosvita Cheshire at Trinity Laban and choreographer Alexander Whitley at the Royal Ballet School. But they've both moved into exploring dance in different formats, on camera, screen and using digital technology. And they've been making this kind of work for years. So we thought we'd invite them to talk about what it is that excites them about working with digital and how we can all learn to explore and use it more effectively. So welcome, both of you. Thank you. Hello. So firstly, one of the things that will flavour our discussion today is the change in behaviours the pandemic has brought with it. So I thought just to warm us up, in deepest, darkest lockdown, choose whichever one you want, uh, what digital dance or arts were you consuming and what did you most enjoy? Ros Vita. Oh, golly.
1: I was consuming dance film festivals that would normally be in person at various places around the world, but were now all online. And that was enjoyable. But interestingly for me, I found it harder to engage because of being at home or my workplace. Mm. And normally you would go to a dance film festival, be completely emerged for the whole two days of the festival and just thoroughly enjoy watching films and talking with other filmmakers and other audiences. So that was quite different. And I actually found that quite difficult to engage with. Watching a lot more of things that people have created and put on Facebook, perhaps. People making a lot more work themselves. So choreographers, dance artists and dancers, making very short and simple things. And the other thing recently, watching a very rehearsed and accomplished piece of work, but created purely because of lockdown and using the medium of the camera and creating it for our experience was Rooms Mm. by Rombe. And that was phenomenal. And phenomenal, whether you particularly like the choreography or the work or not, I really enjoyed it. And it became an event within our own family. We all booked tickets. We had one family member in Canada, some in Scotland, some in London. And that was really enjoyable. That was a very new way of watching a piece of work. And it was created for screen it could not be seen on a stage with us sitting in rows of seats as an audience and it was kind of a hybrid mix of dance on screen work and live work and it wasn't documenting that it was created live and live streamed was phenomenal so that was probably one of my favorites so very very different
0: ends of the scale but all just a special yeah bit of a mix and that will be interesting we'll dig down into that a little bit more because it's really pushed some of our watching behaviors hasn't it and also the kind of outputs that we've been creating as artists Alex how about you what were you dipping into what was keeping you going filling that void of seeing live theatre for you
2: Well, I have to be honest, I haven't seen or engaged with dance and culture nearly as much as I did before the lockdown. I think that's largely reflected the fact that I have a very young family. I've got a nearly three-year-old daughter and now a three-month-old baby as well. So lockdown has been very much about family, which has been great in some respects, to have that time with them rather than be in that position of always being out late and seeing things at theatres regularly that I'd normally be doing. Having said that, I've been kind of dipping in and exploring a lot of kind of experimental work that's been going on in various kind of art forms and scenes. And I guess, as Roswitter was saying, you know, some of that has been through dance film festivals and seeing work that's been made in that context, I guess the kind of more conventional screen dance work, which has been nice to get a bit more of an insight into. But then say some experimental dance communities that have been forming in VR platforms like VR chat, for example, and these different VR platforms that have emerged for festivals to try and kind of bring something of what they would have been doing in person. We took part in the BFI's London Film Festival, the expanded part of that, and they built a virtual version of the BFI Centre and hosted the whole festival within that. So. You know, having these experiences of presenting and viewing other people's work in these contexts has been really fascinating just to, mm. you know, understand what the possibilities are and what, what the obvious challenges and issues are with connecting with and experiencing culture mm. through these formats. But as seems to be the case for quite a few people I've talked to, there's the kind of conventional screening of stage work exhausted itself quite quickly it did, it? in the first lockdown. And um, certainly my interest and other people that I am in regular conversation with were very quickly looking for more and the alternatives and really looking at this Time as an opportunity to really ask some bigger questions of if there's a limitation with the interests of consuming culture in this way, you know, where else can we look and what other platforms exist for us to get a bit closer to what we know and love about the experience of experiencing culture in the flesh in these kind of live three D yeah. settings.
0: It's really propelled us forward, hasn't it? And I look at you, Rosvita, as someone that we've used as Greenwich Dance a lot to document our work, and we've all been very good, I think, at using digital technologies. Actually, maybe we can't even call it. That really but we're talking just about filming and photography in its most simplest form to document the work we're doing and we haven't been as good at pushing the boundaries well I say we not you two (laughs) that's why you've been brought in because you're exceptions to that rule but as a general uh, sector we haven't been so good at pushing those boundaries and exploring what that kind of digital output might look like and we've been forced to do that now which is really perhaps now a year on has really started to bring more fruitful ideas to the fore because as you say alex just filming something that was meant to be on stage or going through those documentations that weren't meant for screen but were simply existing as a record of what something was were churned out quite readily and it's about how we move
1: because i think when you are documenting something you have a very different role to play Because I have to remember I'm not making a work when I'm documenting a piece. I have to be true to that choreographer and they have to be able to show their work as a whole piece. So if I get fascinated by one dancer and go off with their close-ups for five minutes, I'm not doing my job. You've
0: lost all of those other roles, haven't you? And it's been existing really just for somebody to be able to perhaps recreate it or show a fun I mean,
1: yeah, you are having a conversation about what's important about the piece and the energy and you know, so you will have a conversation, but then dance on screen is perhaps making live work more interesting for the screen is honing in even more. Yeah. So you're not being quite as true, but yeah, what is it? It's the energy of this bit. It's the two having the conversation. It's the lightness of being, etc., etc.
0: So given that, and that very good point that you've brought us to, what is it about the digital space that so interests both of you now and has done to delve further and deeper into... What can it bring us and what can you do with it?
2: (laughs) Big question.
1: (laughs) I'm going to say something that doesn't actually make sense in a way. It's the physicality of it. I mean, I still operate camera, so I work as a camera operator, cinematographer, editor and director. And the reason I love working with camera is the physicality of you breathing with the dancers when you're operating the camera. And in a way, the director is doing that as well. They're bringing that physicality to the audience and they're able to take the audience's eye right into what's important at that moment is it the touch of somebody's fingers on somebody else's skin that on a big stage you don't have that option you can't take that focus to the audience so you're really controlling their gaze directing their gaze to where you want them to go yeah and taking that, you know, we've all been dancers and audience, you go to a show and sometimes you feel yourself in your seat doing the whole movement. And if you can bring that with film, I think that's one of the biggest things that's really interesting me is, is taking that physicality out there.
0: Mm. And Alex, how about you? What, what's drawn your interest into this world of digital technology? Well, I think from the early
2: days, it was really the possibilities around motion tracking and interactive technology that got me interested and the potential of those technologies to extend the reach of the moving body, to amplify it ultimately and and allow human movement to find expression in domains outside of the physical space that it uh, conventionally occupies. And early on for me, that was very much about looking at using interactive technology in stage productions, so tracking the movement of dancers and having projected visuals that were responsive to the movement of the performers on stage. And I guess that, for me, offered some interesting opportunities to explore different kinds of relationships in a stage setting, to kind of stage a relationship between the human and the technological, and I guess to reflect back on questions about the role of technology in the world. And that's really grown and developed, I guess, as the technology has developed. And I think my interests lie a lot in how the platforms that are emerging through the developments in digital technologies offer up very different possibilities for the kinds of relationships you can establish between performers and spectators, or Mm. completely change what the position of and role of the spectator is in an artistic experience. And I guess, especially with developments in virtual and augmented reality, a lot of that is directed at movement. It's really about immersing people within a space and allowing them, giving them freedom to move within and explore that virtual environment. And so there's an awful lot of choreographic knowledge that's very relevant to that. And so I think that's what's really drawing me into exploring those kinds of platforms. But then I think there's also an interest in the representation of movement and the human form and the possibilities around through the use of motion capture technology, digitizing and abstracting the human form and, and ultimately finding or exploring different ways of representing it and visualizing it ultimately. I think, you know, that just plays into a really deep curiosity i have about you know the, the psychology behind what's interesting about watching movement you know why yeah. is it that we're drawn to yeah. to bodies moving and and what is it that's interesting about it uh, you know that's something that choreographers obviously obsess over and think about a lot yeah. and i think digital technologies open up different kinds of possibilities different questions that you can then pose in relation to that
0: i've struggled with this i think up until now this idea of why and part of what you were just saying said to me that there was something about using motion capture and things like that as inspiration because you're analysing movement and shape and form but actually then it's much more than that isn't it as you then went on to say and more about building almost new environments for us to experience dance performance Mm -hmm. so almost you know we're so used to thinking about performance as being in a theatre and we've all Mm -hmm. struggled very much with theatres being closed but because they've been closed we're starting to explore much more what those other environments are that we might experience something and that's where this is starting to take us
2: absolutely you know there's i think some strong precedents in developments in immersive theater for example like you know yeah. punch drunk is a great example of a company that's really challenged the conventions of, of theater and performance and the relationship between performers and spectators and the role of the spectator in determining the narrative and ultimately determining the, the experience they have i guess that kind of agency of of the audience member in the experiences of is relevant to developments in in other domains as well, in in video games and so on. I think that's something that technology is pushing forwards an awful lot. It's really challenging the conventions around spectatorship. And increasingly, there's more and more demand and interest from cultural consumers, for want of a better way of describing it, for that kind of active role to be a part of and it you know it plays into much bigger questions around how technology influences our lives the social media for example yes. has completely changed how we communicate with each other and how we ultimately are able to construct images of ourselves and put them out into the world so yeah, yeah, yeah. that for me is really you know where both the technology and the way they're shaping the world have deep significance to art and to, yeah. you know the kind of questions that i think we can ask and explore through those same technologies
1: i think lockdowns also enabled us to go right back to very simple form as well in mm-hmm. the thinking of some of the projects that i've done with melanie and Greenwich dance and crystal palace festival making a film with temujin gill and 10 performers contributors using their own mobile phone Mm -hmm. to film themselves. So sessions over Zoom and really giving them agency to, they are contributors, they're filming themselves, they're taking the time to create and hearing the feedback that the crystal palace festival did quite a lot of talking to the participants afterwards and how they'd felt really empowered mm. and i thought gosh filming themselves wouldn't that be more nerve-wracking than being in a rehearsal room and they'd actually felt the opposite mm. because we'd given them some tips on how to use a camera etc but they would really delved into what they were doing and taken their time but were able to do that on their own and that wouldn't have happened without lockdown so that's been really interesting for me this is going to sound wrong as well but the lowering of production values and what I mean by that is just the camera that you use because in the screen dance world we all want the best dance but you know Mm. oh you've got to have an airy camera and this lighting and that blah 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 and you kind of lose sight of your project and of what you want to create and actually I think it's been really really refreshing that a lot of the films that have come out during this year have been filmed on people's mobile phones and it's not what camera you film with it's how you film it and what the content is and there's been some very not good things and some absolutely wonderful things where people have really taken the time and energy and thought and creativity as much as they would with the live work and that's been so refreshing so that's really
0: interesting and it does link into what you were saying alex doesn't it about us all being so much more familiar Mm -hmm. many of us not all of us admittedly and that's something that comes into a more of an access question about all of this but many of us do have the luxury of a smartphone at our disposal and so therefore some of those tools and some of that familiarity that we've had around social media and apps and things like that that we might be able to use. And then, like you say, Rose, really good tips. The group and- at Crystal
1: Palace, were all over 70. So not people who are usually quite so yeah. afraid with their mobile phone, but no. we managed. And, in fact, I have to say I've often had much more interesting footage from older age group That's than from younger too. age group. Because so what, if it's OK to say at this point, what's been really interesting and frustrating at times is because it's so accessible and because people do it every day is then not actually giving it the care and attention that they would if they were in the studio and we still need to create and rehearse and think carefully rehearse is maybe not the right word but give it as much time and thought and consideration as if we were creating a piece for the stage Mm. and there is a bit of a frustration that because we all have mobile phones we kind of get the phone out well right okay yeah and I've done it and send it to me and I'm like (laughs) you wouldn't do that if you were performing on the stage why is that okay to send me
0: I imagine you've had quite a lot of that over this past year (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then I've had some extraordinary footage, absolutely extraordinary footage.
0: And like you say, an agency and an equality because of lots of different ages and backgrounds and uh, different levels of their career. Absolutely. So we'll dig into a bit of this a bit further. But I'm really interested in taking a step back for a moment and finding out how both of you got interested in this so a little bit about your journey your training both of you trained and performed as dancers first but how did you come to find digital dance in whichever guys because both of you are looking at digital dance very differently how did you find that um Ros-Peter, tell us a bit about your journey
1: Okay. I spent my teenage years in the art department at secondary school and was very interested in photography and then discovered dance at a late stage. So I dropped all of the art and went to Trinity Laban and then trained. But at the time, I graduated nearly 30 years ago this year, but so a while ago. I was asking can we use the camera which was this massive piece of equipment but never managed to do that. Left and as you say worked as a dancer and taught dance and managed to buy myself a tiny little hi eight camera with tapes and was doing projects with schools and we'd film in the playground and then I'd edit it on my VHS recorder pressing play and record and pause to literally do analog editing, hire a massive projector and work with the kids in the school and really enjoyed That And so I was always interested in the two dimensionality, how you put the three dimensionality into two dimensions of a screen and use it on its own or as part of a live work. And then went on to teach myself about editing with a computer, which now seems like, gosh, didn't have a computer um, but eventually did and then kept teaching myself and doing various projects and then I was very lucky to have the opportunity to become a trainee camera op at the place and that was fantastic because that was always in the world of filming live dance and it always informs and trained up more uh, learning about cameras and have been lucky to work with lots and lots of wonderful choreographers creating pieces and I think the reason I've been able to work is having that underpinning knowledge of movement and mm. dance and to me they go hand in hand because making a, a film is choreographing a piece it's just a different medium and using the strengths of those mediums differently so I was very interested in choreography and so it's just been a, a sidestep really
0: flow and uh, the energy used in dance you use in your film absolutely and and all the
1: time space shape and motion as my choreography teacher which I don't remember which book that was but at
0: Laban, it's all exactly the same yeah yeah and Alex how about you how do you go from training at the Royal Ballet School to being at the forefront of the digital hmm. dance world which I feel that you are
2: um well I think both dance and technology were part of my childhood, um, something I grew up with, but I didn't at the time see how or could could imagine how the two could kind of coexist. I think I was you know, part of the first generation of young people to grow up with games consoles as a regular feature of their lives. And I enjoyed playing them with my family and friends and just ha- happened to have friends that were really into computers and ended up having kind of careers as graphic designers and so yeah technology was very much a part of my life alongside my dance training and then throughout my performing career and as I started to create my own work, I guess I was naturally drawn to the work of other choreographers that were working with technology because I was really curious about how they were combining these two things. And then again it was really just the the fact that there were people in my social circles that were working as digital artists and were very aware of the developments in technology. And, and it was really with the the release of the Microsoft Kinect, which is a, a motion tracking device um, that came with the Xbox games console, I think it was released in 2010 or 11, that suddenly changed things for the way that independent digital artists could work with motion tracking technology. And so suddenly, I had lots of friends around me who were saying, we've got this amazing device, and we're building these systems with it. And they were fascinated by what i was doing as a choreographer i think because of the rich source of information that that could provide for these systems that they were building so suddenly just this conversation kind of exploded around those possibilities and you know i'd worked with wayne mcgregor as well in the latter stages of my performing career and obviously he's worked a lot with technology and technologists um in his work so there was strong influence coming from wayne in terms of the ways that not only the you know these forms could be combined but processes of thinking in relation to the two I guess relating to william forsyth's work and his development of improvisation technologies and the connecting of geometric and architectural principles with movement were all of interest to me and so i guess alongside my dance performing career i tried to keep my kind of academic interests as alive as possible and Mm. i've always been really fascinated in in science and obviously that relates to technology in in many ways but i also i did a degree in in ppe with the App University alongside my performing career and.
0: Sorry, what's that?
2: Politics, uh, philosophy, and economics. It's
0: not the PPU we wear during Covid. <laughs> no, no, I guess it, yeah, it's taken on a different meaning. <laughs>
2: It was the philosophy side of that is what really kind of drew my interest and philosophy and psychology and thinking about movement and cognition and mind-body dualism. And I think all of that kind of plays into my interest in immersive technologies and the the potential that an understanding of movement and cognition brings to bear on what these new technologies are kind of affording and how that knowledge is really relevant to understanding how these platforms work, like how they relate to experience.
0: And was the creation of your company a vehicle to explore that in more depth? then in that case yeah
2: yeah yeah absolutely and I think I quickly realized that working with technology is, I and mean, it's kind of obvious, it's not straightforward. It, it complicates matters. It's more expensive. It takes yeah. more time. It requires different kinds of resources and spaces to yeah. work in. And I quickly realized that the only way I was going to really get anywhere close to having enough time to really understand, you know, what was possible with these technologies. And I guess to get into the interesting creator territory to scratch beneath the surface, to move beyond the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Because, you know, so often technologies come with But they're often created by particular industries that have, I guess, uh, a particular interest or preoccupation with how it's used and often that know there's so much spectacle that comes associated with it and I mean you think about Hollywood movies for example and how CGI works in it it's largely about creating visual spectacle and so that you know there's so much that kind of naturally or tends to come with the application of this technology that I'm kind of interested in trying to get beyond or to co-opt the technology to, to do something else with I mean obviously the visual spectacle element of it I think is always going to be significant and isn't something to be ignored but there's so much more to understand understand in relation to these technologies that really just takes an awful lot of time to to discover to get to.
0: And to get past those default settings almost to to explore explore what else is there. And given the familiarity you both have around the digital space, uh, the equipment you both must have at your disposal and your skills and your knowledge of the area, that to others I'm sure in this last year will have felt overwhelming and terrifying. How did you both react creatively to COVID and how much of that reaction was a digital output? Rosvita, how did it feel for you? I think it's been working
1: a lot more with editing this year and, yeah, I felt less enthusiasm getting my own camera out And but it's been working and, and helping people through Zoom calls and projects like that. That's been my main creative. I mean, the first piece that I collaborated on was with uh, Luca Silvestrini of Protein Dance and Andy Pink, the composer, and that was a call out. The film's called The Sun Inside and basically it was directly addressing that we're all in lockdown mm. lockdown number one lockdown number did we one. know that we would be almost a year later and that was just sort of recognising the moment that we were in and we had i think 150 people send in clips which was huge and what was interesting about that was we were collaborating luca was in italy with his mum at times and andy was away and i uh, where he is and i was here and and sometimes that was really frustrating collaborating through zoom and made it take longer but then also when would we actually really get to spend so much time talking with each other so that helped us really wrestle out questions and then all sorts of questions about the quality of clips and is that important what's important what are we asking people to do mm. so I think my main creative output has been working with other people on projects that have involved uh, people sending me their footage I mean I've had so many projects cancelled and postponed yeah. and that uh, I should have been filming in Watts Gallery in November that's now happening we're making an installation piece and that's going to happen in May fingers crossed everything crossed we've got our dates fixed and oh so many exciting projects that have just been Moved and moved and moved and moved and some that have actually came about initially because they were supposed to be performed live and they've been reimagined and re-envisaged and, and in a really creative way but then we couldn't do it so um, we've not been allowed to, to film especially if dancers in particular have been in quarantine and isolation that's made that difficult so when I have been actually able to go out and use my camera that's been really lovely and really exciting and I'm really looking forward to doing that more and more yeah
0: so you didn't have the urge interestingly to suddenly make work given your skills you would I was about to say thrown into and that might not be the right word but into more of an editing role so using your expertise as an editor and a director
1: yeah I think so I think as with Most people, there's also family circumstances like Alexander saying, you know, you've got a family. And I think whether it's caring for elderly parents or family that sometimes when you're going out to film for a specific thing it gives you permission to rip yourself away from your family or your other responsibilities so to actually
0: take that time for myself as an artist was difficult and it was a strange time in terms of creativity wasn't it some people felt very creative some people didn't feel creative at all I think
1: so absolutely I've spoken to a lot of artists who have like I don't feel like an artist anymore I haven't got any creative ideas which is quite bizarre because you would think perhaps the freedom of not having those rigid times to go and work that you know had so many projects
0: cancelled yeah. that you would
1: go oh yeah I'll go and do this and I'll go and do that and that
0: but that's okay yeah 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 and Alex how about you how did you respond creatively to Covid as a company or, or as an individual
2: yeah I mean that's kind of a significant distinction maybe but, um, mm. because the challenge was keeping the company activity going i mean that was the first major fallout for us is that we were just about to have the london premiere of production we've been working on for the last 18 months or so and you know that was cancelled and the following tour dates so yeah everything kind of fell away for all the plans we had with the company but i think i was fairly quick to respond or to, to try and keep something going and saw an opportunity to just try something out or be a bit more experimental. Because I guess in this role as you know, directing a company, there's so much you know, these projects, we plan them and carry them out for so long that doing things off the cuff is what I miss a little bit. And we had, I think, towards the end of 2019, bought some motion capture suits for the company we were lucky to get some funding to buy some suits and I'd had in mind for some time to try and run a kind of an experimental or more open project exploring the use of motion capture technology and the you know almost endless possibilities of how you can then visualize movement once it's been uh, motion captured and so I through a conversation with a previous collaborator someone called memo um, act N, decided to kind of run this as an open source project mm-hmm. just to start experimenting and recording because I actually left london in the first lockdown and went up to my dad's place up in scotland with my two sisters and their kids it was just nice to be in the countryside and, yeah. and have some space the rather family. than in a, a flat in london
0: what does open source mean what does an open source project mean
2: Well, I guess in tech terms, it's that the software or the code is freely available. Mm. So in coding communities, you know, they they make projects open source and they give people access to the source code so that they can then take that and build on it and develop it. But I guess from my perspective, it was really looking at how I could create dance digitally without the kind of funding infrastructure that would normally be there for it. So I started recording sequences of of choreography with the the motion capture suit that I'd taken with me. I grabbed it as I was leaving the flat in London. I'm (laughs) so glad that I did because it became the kind of centerpiece of, of my work for the next few months but it was a really nice way for me to kind of keep up movement practice and actually returned to a bit more of a personal practice when so often my work is about creating with and on the the, the dancers of my company and, and so yeah for those several months of the first lockdown i was recording sequences and kind of understanding more about how the motion capture technology was working the limitations and issues around things that can interfere with getting good quality recording of it but then i i was posting all the sequences i've recorded or the at least the better quality ones i put on my website and it was basically making them accessible to anyone who had an interest in working with an FBX file, which is the file type that motion capture data comes in, and I was able to kind of reach out to people in my existing circles, but also through putting things on social media. And
0: did you find people responding to that and picking those? Yeah,
2: articles? yeah, we got some amazing responses. And it's something that we're still working on now. We're about to relaunch it actually with some new sequences that have been recorded by the company's dancers. It was amazing to see the responses that came back really vastly contrasting ways of interpreting or transforming the movement sequences i created and it was fascinating to see different responses to the same sequences of choreography and and you know as i was referring to before just to understand how much remained of that original information and how much you can recognize of the human form when it is translated into something that looks very different yeah. and one of the people that contributed to the project also developed a filter for Instagram. So we could take that motion capture data and put it into augmented reality. So you could place content in your own environment. And he developed that into something that started to introduce some more choreographic features. So you could have multiple characters and decide at what time you place them and have a variation sequences. So you could start to almost create your own iterations or versions of a choreography.
0: And so what does that become, Alex? Is that a performance? Is that a film? Is that a game?
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's struggling. Going,
0: I don't know. It's yeah. whatever you make it.
2: <laughs> yeah, something in between all of those things, yeah. I think. And that it's it's a tool in some respects, like. in that it provides some options for people to make the kind of choices that a choreographer often makes okay. when they're constructing a, a sequence of dance. I mean, I'm talking specifically about this augmented reality filter yeah. here, yeah. but I guess it's partly entertainment as well, and that yeah. you can just enjoy it watching yeah. it. I guess the thing with augmented reality as well is that it tends to encourage a certain kind of movement because the idea is that you can place a digital figure in the environment seen through your smartphone or tablet device. And then you know you can move around yeah. it and it stays where it is. So you can see it as though it exists yeah. in the real world. And again, that's something that is really interesting for me in in thinking about how these technologies almost kind of point the finger back at the member of the public or the user yeah. and ask them questions yeah. or provoke them either explicitly or implicitly to move, to discover things about whatever the content is, or to think about movement in a way that they might not ordinarily do, and ultimately to engage them in physical thinking, to engage them in the kinds of ideas that choreographers are preoccupied with. You know, these technologies expand the scope of choreography and Mm -hmm. choreographic thinking, and they also draw people in to the... To the, to the realm of thinking that has kind of remained for a long time, the kind of exclusive realm of people. Of
0: choreographers that have had years of training. Exactly, yeah.
2: of yeah. work in theatre. Yeah. Yeah. yeah So that's the, the real excitement for me.
1: And I think it makes me think of what I've really missed and why particularly I've not been inspired is that two-way process, but in my way of the camera and performer, dancer, person, and how that's so much a two-way process and the physicality again of that is you know it's like well why didn't i make any films well my poor husband doesn't want to be in everything anymore (laughs) you know and i think lots of us have have also missed being with people and i think that's that 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 two-way process which you're talking about is enabling but it also sits side by side and reminds us of that and
0: you've been involved for us haven't you in the building of installations and environments with your film and with your screen can you tell us a little bit more about that and perhaps how that leads us into what dance on screen is because it's been around for years the place had a whole course around it and yeah they still do and who's influential in that realm and who's the role models and I just wanted to mention Simon Felders who sadly
1: died at the weekend who was hugely influential in the world of screen dance and a, a tireless ambassador of dance from over decades. He was international award-winning filmmaker himself, artist, curator and teacher and he really pushed forward the story and journey of screen dance and he would work as a facilitator bringing all of us people together, people who've been in this world for a long time, new people to share, to question, to discuss and to make and it's a huge loss to all of us and screen dance yes there's this world there's a a small world a big world installation i suppose my starting of installation i did work very early on with live dance and images on the screen at the back and how that can connect how you need to give space and time to both and not let them fight because often the image will take over if you're the audience member your eye's going to be drawn to the big screen rather than the dancer so you have to work very very it's always very attractive to us as choreographers oh let's get the camera in let's have a big yeah. projection and you've got to be very delicate and very careful how you handle that because there'll be no live stuff left you won't work with it so i did work with that a lot and still do um, creating an installation piece is really interesting because of how it might be viewed can be viewed very differently to watching a film beginning to end in a, a dance film festival or on a screen. I made a piece a few years ago, co-directed with choreographer Rosemary mm-hmm. Lee, and it's a triptych and it's been installed in various locations. And with an installation, people might just come and spend a moment. It might be 10 seconds and absorb it for that, and then leave. So you don't, as the maker, have a choice in how long... I mean, if you're making a piece for theatre, yes, you as an audience can walk out, but on the whole, people will stay from the beginning to the end. With an installation, they might just dip in and out, and that's really interesting, and how you're creating a narrative in a different way that any point might be the beginning. This particular piece was a 17-minute loop, and we tried to create that there was no beginning and end, that it would just continue and you wouldn't. We knew where the beginning and end was, but hopefully other people didn't. Being with the piece on tour at times, I've seen people walk in, spend two seconds and leave. I've seen people sit with it for an hour and just continue watching it. It was one lovely moment, two young girls, maybe five or six, watched it through once. The second time through, one lay down. And watched it and the other danced and copied everything, (laughs) which was really beautiful. So kind of gives people a different perspective to enjoy as they will. And then also the piece that we're creating for Watts Gallery, that's with choreographer Chris Pavia and Stopgart Dance Company. We're thinking that, you know, you can have a screen in front of you, you can have screens at the side, so that perhaps Very often screen work is seen as two-dimensional straight in front of you and you sit and you watch it with your eyes looking forward. But having an installation piece makes you think about where do you want the focus to be? Maybe you've got three screens. Maybe it's in the round with you as an audience in the middle. Are you going to be drawn to different screens at different times? Is a screen also being an audience of you or of the other screen? So it's giving you different questions and different answers and different possibilities.
0: It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I think that, in a way, the criticism that we've experienced over the last year is that we have all sort of gone, Okay, we're really good at digital now, we're all filming on our mobile phones, we're all making these films and we're putting them on YouTube and we've still set these sort of barriers around ourselves and yet there's this whole wide world of where technology can take us and it's all about that environment again, isn't it? What we said right at the beginning, it's about the environment that you create cleverly with these new tools at our disposal new ways and visions and perspectives of the work and the new agency that we've given those audience members because like you said just sitting in your seat and watching a film of dance it is enjoyable but to a point you know and there's something really interesting going on around these ideas that you're talking about and have been delving into for some time
1: i think it's as enjoyable it's just a different experience you're as a maker curating perhaps a little bit how you would like your audience to view this particular piece and that actually this piece I would like you to pay full attention and the way if you go to a theatre they demand of you or request of you that you do watch from the beginning and you go on that journey and you have to trust the maker Because they've made that decision to make you sit watching somebody eat a banana for 30 minutes. There's a reason why they're making you watch that for 30 minutes and you have to trust them and go with it because something else is going to happen. And so I think it's choosing different platforms, different mediums. And then also, what is it that you can only experience in that? That everything. You've got to choose it for a reason you've got to choose wearing a white costume yeah, yeah. for a reason as long as you have a reason behind it or that you've got a pile of books in the shop. why have you got a pile of books and it's the same with where you screen and it. am
0: i right in thinking that with the sun inside you gave some notes about kind of recommended environment for the audience to be in to watch it and i can't quite remember what they were but i seem to remember there being a sort of recommendation of sitting somewhere quiet or I was conscious that as a choreographer making work for a theatre and you'll have experience of this Alex of course is that you can curate all the elements of that theatre experience right down to perhaps recommending yeah. that there's a certain drink in the interval or you yeah. know that might be themed to what you might be doing and I'm thinking they're more perhaps family work or whatever you know you can really think about that whole experience of going to the theatre and the programme that somebody gets the music around and I suppose there's limitations to that but there are certain choices that a choreographer and maker can start thinking about but when you put just a film and I'm talking now I suppose about just a film as opposed to an installation where you're Back to curating that environment again. You don't know where they're going to be consuming that. They might be on the tube, they might be consuming it on their phone through social media, or they might do a little mini festival for themselves, get themselves some nice snacks and a drink and decide they're going to spend the evening. I think it's a really valid
1: point and I think actually it's something perhaps I haven't thought enough and perhaps us as dance filmmakers that we're not thinking about enough, or maybe other people have, but it's about requesting or suggesting that you know this is going to run for ten minutes and it might be quite nice if you do take time to sit down and watch it rather than on your phone on the tube because we think you may get more from it I mean it's made me think of which is different but when pieces have become set events online that you book tickets for and they've been live streaming of perhaps it's a, a pre-filmed piece or a new filmed piece and actually you might get together with other friends who are in different parts of the country and right okay we're going to watch the eight o'clock performance and you are making a new event out of that yeah. and that's been something new and quite interesting and I think it's good for them to ask us mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. to, yeah.
2: to I mean it makes me think a lot about the you know the conventions around spectatorship in different forms and the kind of the, the rituals that exist around them and theatre going is kind of the most established form of that and we take it for granted just how much of a structure there is around the experience. It's not just about what you see on stage, it's about the experience of arriving at the foyer of the theatre, getting your tickets, getting a drink in the kind of bustling front of house area, going into the auditorium lights going down, curtain going up all of that as kind of priming you for Mm. the experience you then go to have and you know both as an audience member and as a creator of those kinds of experiences you base a lot of your expectations and and thinking around it on that kind of known structure and the format and I guess you know as you're describing in a a gallery installation for example the conventions are different they're perhaps more flexible there's to some extent a defined format of how people are expected to behave in relation to the content they experience but they have an element of choice as you're pointing out as to you know how long they might stay with a thing so as a maker you know you have to take that into consideration so there's both kind of conventions and, and different affordances creatively for the kind of work you can make, the questions you can ask and the questions you can pose to a, a viewer, a spectator, an audience member. And I think, you know, each new technology and platform that emerges through the developments in technology come with a different set of kind of criteria in relation to those considerations and I think that's something that's really fascinating and often really challenging is to mm-hmm. figure those mm-hmm. new yeah. terms out and I think they are really layers that are building around the conventions of theater I think part of the reason why I perhaps haven't and a lot of other people haven't been seeing as much even though there has been a lot out there online to see is because there's something very convenient about having knowing that you've got to be at this place yeah, at this time absolutely. to see the show and yeah, that you go there it. and there's a format for you to experience yeah. it through and as you were pointing out Rosita you know some of the more successful attempts that I've been aware of have been very specific in defining the criteria and making sure that you kind of set up establish your own yeah. ritual around the experience and control the conditions so that I guess as makers they can make sure that you're having as specific or as tailored as an experience yeah, yeah, as yeah. possible but I think it's for that very reason that people in my situation and you know many others where being at home when you've got the chaos of family and and things around it's really hard to carve that out or to define the space especially when everything is tending to come through the same kind of devices you know we're consuming such a range of different types of information and forms of media through the same device and so to kind of portion out and divide our experiences coherently is yeah. really challenging, I think, in relation to... This That's platform.
0: such a good point because one of the things, I've said this before on the podcast, I've never really been somebody that would sit and watch a dance film or not so much a musical, maybe because I kind of, you know, thinking Sound of Music, really traditional. Those are films It you would sort of sit there <laughs> with a the family, but a dance performance that had been filmed, I might not watch at home. And when I realised that mm. I could link up my TV and watch it on YouTube through my TV on my sofa rather than through my work laptop the experience felt different for me it wasn't theatre I recognised but I could make it as you said Roz earlier about that experience I could make it into more of an evening but you're also right Alex in that sometimes you might think that we would all be able to access this so much easier because it's all at our fingertips but we've all got those busy lives and I was invited to an event online one Friday it was at 7.30 you know that's crucial bedtime main you know mayhem isn't it in in the house now if that had been in a theatre I would have made that negotiation with my husband, all fine, walked out the door, slammed the door... <laughs> but because I was still in that house, I couldn't, I didn't feel I had the permission to do that no, and just shut the it's door it's and it's say it's at 7 30, I'm going to embark on this online experience. Yeah, no, I agree with that totally. And I think
1: it is as various different walks of life, having a ticket and going out gives you permission. And it's really difficult to make time for ourselves. Yeah. But talking about audience a bit, if I might go back to why do I make dance film, your question right at the beginning, and what's interesting is that actually we had a bit of a conversation about about what that audience might be and who the performers might be that sometimes it could be an audience of five you know the one I was talking about there were people across Europe watching this performance but actually it could be a project with a people referral unit or a care home and you're making a piece of work with them and the audience numbers are literally five but it's so so much as valid so that's made me think of why I film there's so many films I've made with choreographers that I can't show because of safeguarding reasons but they hold such a special place for me just as much they're just as valid because having the camera and creating work it's really interesting how people react with that and they often feel very nervous but then witnessing is a bit of a funny word but I don't know the right word about being acknowledged being somebody's giving me that care and time and attention to create something with me and you asked us previously a favorite film moment and I I made a piece with choreographer Stella Howard and two dancers Sheila and Ian and we had two four-hour sessions to make this film and Stella had worked with this couple in her weekly session at Trinity Laban for people with brain trauma so sheila had had brain trauma so we could only work at a certain pace but i was so remembered there was only four of us stella myself and the two performers very clearly at that point thinking if this only ever exists in this time and i know that's i'm supposed to be making a film but it was such a special event about how they were with me and stella and each other and the camera was wonderful, and that film actually was created for Trinity Laban, and then, funnily enough, has done the opposite of what I've just said. It's been round the world, and is still with a film festival at the moment, going round and and being shown. But it was such a personal and touching moment that that's one of the reasons that people are so generous Mm. so generous and what they give me Mm. and I can't believe they trust me to take it home and and work with it and that film also was a real eye-opener you think you filmed one thing (laughs) and you watch it and you see something so I had in my ignorance seen that he was caring for her and when I watched the footage you see her caring for him that was just such an extraordinary moment and then the responsibility of editing this because they weren't professional dancers and they were through movement the beauty of working with a dance artist and choreographer and the power of dance and basically I'm a facilitator to bring that story it's just it's a love story that's you know very simplicity of it but yeah there's so many projects and I think you've Melanie talked about that you know who, who is our audience and sometimes we want to go for big audiences and that's yeah. really important we've got to have numbers and numbers yeah. and numbers but actually perhaps if there's a really valid audience of five and they've seen somebody they know very well in a very different way that's and
0: enough. they go oh absolutely it's huge it's really that perception has really changed I think over this last year and I hope we Take that Continue. into the yeah the new normal whatever that might be. There's so much to talk about and so much still I want <laughs> to talk about. But there's one last thing that I wanted to ask, which is whether you've seen a sea change. Well, you've just mentioned one thing, Rosvita, there. But are you seeing a different acceptance of your work? Are you seeing a different understanding of it? More of a call for it, and perhaps even some new asks of you, new ways of working. I know, Ros, you were talking earlier about going into the studio this week and spending a bit more time working on something that you might not. Not have been asked to do before are things changing is there a sea
1: change yes well i suppose one thing which is a bit cheeky to say but is i've had a lot of people go oh golly it takes quite a lot of time this filmmaking malarkey doesn't it so that's <laughs> i don't know if that's happened with you alex people actually realizing why you need time to create this that sounds joking but actually it's really nice because as mm. creators You need people to know that as choreographers need people to know that they need not two minutes in the studio. They need more time. And I've had that quite a few times, people filming themselves. And gosh, it takes quite a lot of time. Yes, I think even with documenting that what you're talking about is, you know, a piece that was supposed to be performed live. And we had a long conversation about recording it, a run, which can be done and is very valid. And interestingly, that's possibly what promoters Want to see more is a clean documentation, but we're actually going to spend a day working with the piece. A day is not long, but it's enough to think, okay, how can we just choose a few different setups to perhaps take what you're trying to say with your audience? In a way, you're trying to create the live feeling more because as an audience, you go in to see that close-up with your own eyes, but when you just see it as a wide shot on a TV or even with two cameras, it's just wide and they're tiny dancers so is having a conversation with the choreographer what's really important at this moment in your piece and how can we get that across and we've only got a day but so I think that's a really interesting way of working and I've seen lots of people do more and more of that it does as you know like you were saying earlier about money it does take more time whether that's going to continue or just happen now I don't know but yeah I hope that people are you asked for a tip and mine's look i hope people are looking more looking at what's on their screen more so maybe that's changed about really looking
0: yeah and how about you alex do you see a new acceptance or new appreciation for the work that you've been trying to do for many years now
2: Definitely, yeah. In a way, it's been, you know, tragedy aside and being respectful Mm -hmm. of all of the people that have been really badly impacted by this. It's been one of the exciting features of the last year for me is that there's suddenly a spotlight being shone on a territory that I've been really interested in and working in for a long time and have been fighting Mm -hmm. quite hard to Mm -hmm. prove the value of. And so hopefully coming out of this, there will be a greater appreciation both from the perspective of audiences, but also funders as to the value of what we already have and people working in this territory, but the challenges and issues surrounding the creation of this, because you know, that really relates to the funding for people to really understand what it takes to make work of this nature is important so that you can justify why you might be asking for mm. this bit mm. more money than someone else that's not using technology um, yeah. might be asking for. And I think yeah, the, the conversation in general, the fact that we're having this conversation in this context now is, is proof yeah. of the fact that so many more people are engaged in these questions. And I think that's a really great thing. And I think it's really accelerated a lot of thinking on both where we're at and what the possibilities are with the technology as it exists now and where we might want things to go in the future in order to facilitate more meaningful Mm -hmm. experiences through these kind of platforms or at a distance or, um, yeah, I think all of those things are important i mean in, in your question there was something about the different kind of asks i mean there's been quite a lot of demand and interest in the work we're doing which has been great that's been nice to being able to respond to new opportunities and have new opportunities emerge but the stranger side of it has been doing rehearsals over zoom like i was working with scottish ballet for example rehearsing a piece i'd made for them and you know conducting rehearsal over zoom with the dancers in masks that's probably the bizarrest one of the strangest experiences but actually i think the fact it was a piece that was already made i was surprised at actually how effective it was of being able to talk about details and features and intention i think like trying to make a new piece remotely has been a lot more challenging we did some R and D with the company early on and very quickly realized that there was just no point in trying to do things how we normally do them in the studio but instead to kind of work in a slightly more open kind of task-based way rather than i i
1: was yeah. just going to say that i think as far as funders, and I think because of the emergency of what's happened, they have supported artists thinking in a out-the-box way. One artist I'm working yeah. with, she works with community groups and she goes to them and she would normally create a piece that's performed in the theatre. She's... What can I do? How can I work? And she's created this whole project that I'm collaborating with her. She's directing where she's still working with those community groups. We've been on a recce all around Suffolk. In fact, as far as performing, it's going to go to more people to get a chance to perform and create and work with her as an artist because we can go and make that performance on the camera. And then she's thinking about the audiences. I think she's setting up at least three screenings in schools and community centres. But it's also, it's kind of using the emergency of what's happened, that it's not going to happen at a theatre. Yeah. How else can yes. I do that? And the funders have supported that. Yes. And that's been really, mm. really, really exciting. And that's the value of using my medium and my tools to facilitate, yes, we can go out there and we're going to take it to those performers.
2: There's definitely a, a willingness to support and fund things that I think prior to this would have been a lot more difficult to fund and a willingness for artists to take risk to try things that they wouldn't ordinarily do my concern is that it'll all stop yeah, because it's emergency funding that's supporting this and you know the business models around it are very different and kind of non-existent yeah. in yeah. many respects. Monetizing it is a really different prospect and, and so much of the infrastructure of funding and distribution is built on the touring of theatre-based work or you know outdoor work. I think that's yeah. the biggest question in my mind coming out of this. What will endure? What will remain of what we've been able to do during this period because of the exceptions that yeah. have, have been forced upon us? I really hope that things will endure beyond this, that it won't just be a... a reversion back and and if anything a kind of a lessening of of what we were able to do prior to this because of the you know the inevitable financial strain that there's going to be on the arts and the the broader economy
0: I think monetizing is actually I think it should be a subject for another podcast it was one of my questions (laughs) but it's just so big and how we move that forward as you say the future also does look interesting if we're going to put our more optimistic spectacles on but just to ask you both to look back again on your beginnings as emerging artists just in a sentence to finish us off what do you know now that you wish you knew at the beginning of your digital journey mm. don't worry so much maybe just just do it
1: just do it which in a way i did But it's just to be brave and just go and do it and try it and, you know, do it as often as you can, film as often you can and look at it. And yeah, don't stress about production values. It really is about the content. That's interesting. Yeah. Don't worry about other people with all their massive cameras. Just
0: do it. How about you, Alan? Just do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess if there's one thing with hindsight, it's. The time it takes, having an appreciation of that, not only to make the work, but to, you know, to really develop an understanding and practice in it, which I guess as dancers, we should kind of get straight away because we know that
0: everything takes time
2: to become a professional dancer or to achieve a certain level of skill as a dancer. We know that it takes a lot of practice and time to develop that same kind of skill and I think we forget that sometimes as makers you know we really have to commit time and think of it as a journey of Absolutely. practice and discovery yeah that's definitely something years into this practice I can appreciate now but I think that kind of blindness at the beginning is helpful yeah. if I'd known what was Never involved in making this kind of work at the beginning I'd Probably wouldn't yeah. have done it. I just kind of dived in and, and learnt the hard way. But I think that's yeah the, the best thing you can do.
0: So that feels like a good place to stop. Be brave and do the best you can do. Uh, so if you'd like to hear more episodes about Subjects Moving Artists of today, search for Talking Moves wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and spread the word. And for more information about Rosvita and Alexander, head on over to greenwichdance.org.uk. And do remember, if you know someone you think we should talk to or have a topic you'd like us to talk about please tweet us at Greenwich Dance but for today. That's it from us. And do join us next time for more Talking Moves. Thank you, guys.